The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now on Bloomberg 99.1. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99. 991 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Budget Day, folks. Did you see the budget? President Trump outlining his vision in a $4.7 trillion budget. But it's really dead on arrival in terms of Congress, and not just because of Democrats. Republicans have some fiscal concerns. We're going to dive into the budget fallout. Plus, A briefing today from White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, the last time she had one of them, 42 days ago. All-star panel to help us navigate through the week ahead and the day that was. We have Raul Alvilar is a Democratic strategist and former national political director for the Democratic National Committee. And Sari Kim, friend of the program, Republican strategist and former senior advisor in the Trump administration, as well as a former health care counsel on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. But before we break down all of the headlines, let's get caught up to speed. Budget, budget, budget. Happy Budget Day, folks. President Trump unveiling that budget, actually technically a little bit earlier than they had hoped. They posted it online ahead of the official embargo. Oh, well. But President Trump is seeking one of the largest ever cuts to domestic discretionary spending in a $4.7 trillion fiscal 2020 budget proposal that is also going to boost defense spending and adds $8.6 billion for building a border wall. I'm reading, of course, from our colleagues reporting by Eric Wasson and Justin Sink on the Bloomberg terminal. Really, $4.7 trillion fiscal budget, but $8.6 billion for the wall. Democrats hear wall, dead on arrival. I mean, there's really, it's a, it, to say it's an uphill battle, I was texting with staffers on both sides of the aisle today, and, and, and truthfully, folks, as really the budget in every administration as it comes out All it really has become is an opportunity for whomever is in the White House to lay out their vision for the future, to be able to see and project the battle lines, politically speaking, for them to maneuver in and out of. And I was struck by the joint statement from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, as well as Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, when they released in a joint statement saying, essentially, did the president learn anything from the 34? five 36 day partial government shutdown the last go around because if this is the budget proposal well then we could have a repeat maybe even another government shutdown come the fall i want to dive into the the wonky uh what's in the budget talk with our all-star panel 
Sari Kim is a Republican strategist and former senior advisor in the Trump administration. She also happened to lend me an iPhone charger, so she gets the first question. <laughs> and Raul Alvilar is a Democratic strategist and former national political director for the DNC. So, Sari, seriously, though, I mean, and as a Republican, this is the budget. It, it feels like we're gearing up for a rerun fight in the fall over the wall. I thought we were past this. Well, I think you made the most important point right at the start, which is the budget is mandated by law for the president to issue. And since 1921, the president has done so. But over the years, it's a political document and it states the president's priorities. And President Trump's number one priority is the wall. Raul? Uh, yes, no, no, sir, he's absolutely right. However, um, if you're going to go into a budget that you need to go ahead and provide services for people, for the country, uh, you, you, you can't and you shouldn't use uh, a political uh, football to, to, to do that. And that's exactly, I think, what this administration is doing. And it's not, it's not going to be good for the American people. So let's dive a little deeper into what's in this budget, because it calls for reducing regular non-defense discretionary spending from five, from $597 billion to $543 billion. That's a 9% cut in 2020. So Republicans, Sari, have been wondering, and, and, and you as well, mm -hmm. we talked about this before, what's going on with the national deficit? What's going on with all this government funding? The president trying seemingly to address this, but when you factor in disaster relief funding, the cut amounts to about $28 billion or a 4.6%. They rounded mm -hmm. up, but a 4.6% cut in discretionary funding. Mm -hmm. So when you read through the 150-page blueprint and not the extended appendices, what you'll see around page 7 or 8 is that our interest payments on our debt will exceed spending on the defense in 10 years. Say that one more time. Yes. So right now... In, this is 2019. Yeah. So according to the OMB, in about 10 years, we will spend more paying interest on our debt than the entire budget of the U.S. Department of Defense. Wow. And what the proposal that President Trump issued today tries to do is diminish what we actually pay our interest payments on. And we have to go to what people traditionally consider to be the third rails, which is Medicare, Medicaid, and some of these social programs. We have to start making cuts. And these cuts aren't drastic. These cuts aren't dramatic. And most importantly, it is just a blueprint. Congress, Speaker Pelosi, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, they're the ones that actually put together the text to make these spending cuts or increases Sarah, go into effect. Sari, I got to be honest here. Democrats, progressives, like we had on the uh, on Friday from the from the Justice Democrats, all they're hearing is they is Republicans in the White House want to cut Medicare and want to cut Medicaid. No, Raul? That is absolutely true to the tune of eight hundred forty-five billion dollars. Uh, and those are those are you know important. Those are our, these are our grandparents. These and are that's a fight you want to have as a Democrat, no? Uh, absolutely, because I mean these are these are issues that American people care about. These are these are um, f uh, these are um, functions that the government provides for uh, for Americans out there to to buy their medication, to go to the hospitals, to go to the doctor. Well, I'm not sure where Raul gets this 848 billion dollars because I read the 
budget proposal. I've also read the trustees' reports, the Social Security Administrator reports, and that number doesn't exist. I mean, what we see is that people live longer. Medicare was put into effect when people lived to be 61, and they started to give it when they were 63. Then you have people using these advanced technologies, and so the spending per person has gone up 15, 16, 17,000. I mean, at some point, you have to create a social welfare program that actually helps the people who it was created to help. Well, and, and that's exactly what the Medicare and Medicaid does. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, the president himself said during the, the campaign uh, and a number of other occasions that he wasn't going to touch Medicaid. He wasn't going to touch Medicare. Uh, and here we are uh, today talking about, um, you know, the, the, the cuts that are going to happen uh, to these, to these uh, uh, programs. I mean, and these are not only just programs that, that are going to be affected, but, you know, I worked at HUD when I was at yeah. the administration. Uh, and the these, Obama administration. In the Obama Exactly. Uh, and these are, you know, these are people's, uh, you know, livelihoods. This is where people live. And when you're cutting these types of things out of people's lives, it doesn't make any sense because, uh, it, you know, they're, 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 they're there to right. help folks. So Democrats here slashes to Medicare and Medicaid. Republicans here build a wall. There's something in this for everybody in terms of the political messaging. Both sides, truthfully, I think that this is how it's going to be played. I, I want to I get into this coming up, but I do want to play for you, uh, before we take a break, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, because she was asked about the wall. She was asked about uh, the national emergency and how the president now, again, $8.6 billion uh, for, for, the, uh, for the wall. So here's White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. He gave Congress a number of opportunities to actually address it, and they failed to do so. So the president is taking his constitutional authority that Congress granted him. Coming up, we're going to have much more on the budget as well as on the fallout from the wall. Can the president get additional funds, not just through declaring a national emergency, but also from this budget? Sari Kim, Republican strategist, stays, as does Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist and former national political director for the DNC. We're talking 2020 as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The same thing will repeat itself if he tries this again, so we hope he's learned his lesson. That was Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, speaking uh, on the Sunday shows uh, about President Trump's budget proposal. He says he's hoped that the president has learned his lesson. It looks like, folks, we could be in for another possible, possible partial government shutdown in the fall. The president calling for $8.6 billion worth to fund his border wall in this Budget requests. We're talking about that. We're talking about the week ahead with Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former advisor in the Trump administration, and Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist and former national political director for the DNC. We're going to talk 2020 with Raul coming up. Uh, but let's stick with the budget, folks, because, you know, I mean, essentially, this, we were talking about this, and both of you having worked at government agencies know. 
that really this is just a messaging tool. No, I can get you to agree on that, right? Yeah. I mean, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So how does this actually even get get written? I mean, how, how how is this even crafted? This is like a year in the making, no, Terry? Yeah, so individuals um, within the respective departments and agencies are told to submit their budgetary request to Congress, and then it's handed over to OMB, and they go through the numbers, and they put together what they believe to be the working budget of the United States government, and then the president messages and crafts what those priorities should be. So he takes the actual dollars and cents, and he turns it into what he wants. And you know that current acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, who led the budget office prior to being one of the founding members of the Freedom Caucus, one of the conservative, fiscally conservative wings in the Republican Party. Raul, well, you know, he, he was wonking out over this. He loves this. He's crunching the numbers, got right. the calculator out. I actually, truthfully, based on my reporting and, and talking over there, they actually really enjoyed this process because they really are using this as a blueprint of sorts. Right. No, no you're absolutely right. And when you say wonking out, they do. Uh, my former boss, uh, Sean Donovan, was OMD director, too, and he's, he was a numbers guy. Um, and so, yeah, so they, so, so they do. a polite way of saying door like myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's um, Sean up to, by the way? Um, he's up in New York. He's, uh, yeah. Doing, doing he, well? He's, yeah, he was, he's, he's with his family and his kids uh, are still uh, going to school and oh, whatnot. Cool. So, so there, but, but, but this budget thing is going to do nothing. I mean, like, there's no way he's going to get $8.6 billion for the wall. Right. Well, no the, way. I'm sorry, Sari. It's not going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen. I mean, you heard uh, Chuck Schumer and uh, Speaker Pelosi say this. I mean, uh, and I think it's, it's part of what the president is trying to do, too. I mean, he's thinking long term. He's thinking, and you know, we'll talk 2020 here in a bit. But if, if this is a this is a tool for him to galvanize his 30 percent people uh, of, of his supporters, rather, uh, and I think that this will help uh, that piece. But then it, on the other side, uh, you know, if we do have another partial. A shutdown or a shutdown altogether. Uh, it, it's 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 wrong for the American people. It's wrong for the workers who work their butts off every day yeah. at, at these agencies uh, because they're trying to help people. They're trying to make sure that our grandparents, like I said earlier, have Medicare and, and Medicaid, or that people who might not have housing actually have housing. Um, yeah. So so it's it's an important thing. Larry Kudlow was on Fox News Sunday uh, on the Sunday shows yesterday. He was asked about this by. By uh, Chris Wallace, Chris Wallace uh, from Fox News. Here's here's this exchange because it, it really plays into what we're talking about now. Here it is. So there's going to be another budget fight over the wall. Well, I suppose there will be. Um, I would just say that the whole issue of the wall and border security is of paramount importance. We have a crisis down there. So that's Larry Kudlow. But okay, enough about the wall. Enough about Medicare and Medicaid. You know what really jumped out at me? I mean, this is where I'm really going to show how much of a complete total dork I am. Space Force. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with this. Right. I mean, this is fascinating. This budget actually creates mm -hmm. a new branch in the military. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that this actually will outlast mm -hmm. this administration. I think other administrations, regardless of their uh, political affiliation, they're not going to, like, shut down a branch of the military. Also, from a government contracting perspective, the Boeings, the Caterpillars, the, the, the defense contractors, that's huge news for them mm -hmm. in terms of the, you know, Get out of the, the left and the right partisan mm -hmm. fight. But in terms of projecting the forecast for the future, mm -hmm. that's huge news for them. Roland, like, you look like you want to jump in here on Space Force. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I think uh, there is so much 
that we have to fund. That is just basic and fundamental. Um, and I guess maybe it's just me being a, a, a Democrat and caring about other folks and how how our social you know structures work and how and, and whatnot. I, I just don't think that that it's an it's an issue that uh, needs that needs to be funded. I mean, where are the fiscal responsible Republicans on this type of stuff? Like, what are we actually paying for? Um, so I just I just I don't see it as clearly as you do. Well, I think I think <laughs> I just grew up watching I mean, all of these space Star, movies. Yeah, Star Trek Troopers are sorry. Cool. I should I should have, yeah I should have prefaced it with how much nerdy movies. Well, I watch. I totally disagree, mostly because President Obama ceded the entire space to China and Russia. I mean, when we left the space station, you have to understand our GPS apps, our locators, all these services that are based upon satellite technologies are done in space. When the United States is not out there and they are not protecting this, these locator technologies and we're leaving it to Russia and China, then we are leaving ourselves defenseless. And also, I would like to point out, since I didn't get a chance to rebut, President Obama from 2000... Sorry, Siri. President, it's okay. Time. It was it's okay, Kevin. I love you. You know I love you. You are my fave. We will eat pizza, and I'll attempt to soul cycle. All right, all I right. Just want to say, I just want to say that from 2007 to 2015, uh, 2017, President Obama um, built 501 miles of southwest border wall, and you can read it in the GAO report 18-614. This is not a Republican fact. The Government Accounting Office actually said it. So if it was okay okay for President Obama to build 501, 502 miles along the southwest border. Why is it wrong for President uh, Trump to do it? It's not. It's just a different man in, a, in the same office prioritizing the same thing that is important to this country. Right, you got like 10 seconds before I got to pay bills. Okay, so go uh, ahead. I disagree on that. <laughs> um, you know, the, he, the, this, the difference between the President Obama and President Trump now is that uh, we didn't use it as a political Football. We didn't All use right. it as political pun. All right, coming up, we get out of the budget fallout. Uh, and we talk 2020, as well as all of the other uh, hot-button issues that are on the agenda for this week. Look, Space Force, it's interesting. I still think it's interesting. We can have the ideological discussion around it, but commercial space travel is fascinating, especially to see where the technology and artificial intelligence and everything is leading us. It's leading us to space folks. Sari Kim stays Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration, as does Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist and former national political director for the DNC. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also check us out as well as all of my colleagues on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. It feels like spring. We're almost there. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. 
So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. What a beautiful day out there. Spring is coming. Complete opposite of what it was like on Friday, no? But um, hopefully you get to enjoy some of this beautiful, beautiful weather outside. It should be sticking around for the next day or so. Uh, we're talking about the budget. We're also, you know, it's, it is it is 2020 season and there's been a lot of back and forth. Uh, everybody wants to know whether or not former Vice President Joe Biden is going to get into the race. We've got an all-star panel to break all of this down. Sari Kim is a Republican strategist, friend of the show, and former senior advisor in the Trump administration, has worked inside of the different agencies uh, in particular, a former health care counsel on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, uh, so knows the ins and the outs of, of an administration as well as, of course, the, the what's going on up on Capitol Hill. Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist, worked at HUD uh, in the Obama administration and former national political director for the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. When were you at the DNC, Raul? I was the uh, national political director for the for when, the party. No, when? Oh, when? I'm sorry. Um, I was there from 2013, uh, 14 to 16, right? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. So all of these different kind of political constituencies, when you look at such a crowded Democratic field, mm-hmm. everyone's running for president. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to keep count. I mean, who who jumps out? Oh, God, I, 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 well, I'll, I'll give you the... Uh, the uh, Democratic answer. All of them do. Uh, they're they're all they're all Give good. Give me your answer. That's what we do on Sound On. We have a conversation like no one's listening, yeah. just uh, us. Uh, no, I, look. I think I think there are a number of good ca- uh, candidates that are running. Um, I think um, obviously the you know former vice president um, you know, Joe Biden has a very good opportunity uh, to 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 do well. Uh, not, and I'm not saying that just because I worked for him at the White House, but um, it, I think he he does well. And then also I think uh, Kamala Harris is also uh, bringing in some good. conversations. Conversations, uh, so Biden, let's talk the former mm-hmm. vice president. Let's talk mm-hmm. the Acela corridor. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I love when I take whenever I get sometimes I get off at the Wilmington station, the Joe Biden yep. stop whenever yep. I'm going back home to visit my folks uh, outside of Philly. And, and I, every time I get off, I see the Joe Biden station. Yep. I'm like, that's kind of cool that he has a, you know. Forget about having an airport after you. You want a train station. But uh, but if he gets in, he obviously is a front runner, namely because of name recognition. How does he ha- how does he articulate a vision forward? How does he you know, because presidential campaigns, everyone would agree, are about the future. They're not about the past. So how does he how does he convince voters in a primary that he would have a new vision, new ideas for the future? Right. Well, well, well first, I think he needs to focus on Iowa, as all, all of them are. Um, you know, Iowa will be the first uh, in the nation, as everybody knows, or most people do know. Uh, and I think that um, what he needs to do is he needs to talk uh, – 
pragmatically, and he needs to talk about the economy. I think all of our candidates need to talk about the economy and what's going on in the economy and how is this economy helping them? How is it helping their family? Uh, and, and also talk about, uh, you know, stuff that we need to, to diversify our economy and also talk about uh, things that they're going to do to help the American people, whether it's increasing minimum wage or, or, or you know, a number of different issues. Sari, stick with me here because I don't want to go into why, you know, I, given you being a Republican, I would assume you're not going to be voting for any of the Democrats <laughs> who are running against <laughs> President Trump. So push that aside. But from an analytical standpoint, mm-hmm. I know – after covering Senator Elizabeth Warren, what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. I know what Senator Bernie Sanders wants to do. What I know that President Trump wants to build a wall. Mm-hmm. What challenge do you think from an analytical standpoint, someone like a former Vice President Biden have, or even a Senator Kamala Harris, Like, do you think it's enough in this day and age mm-hmm. to run purely on personality, on likability, mm-hmm and not on having a thing, for lack of a better term, an idea? No. I think the Democrats will lose if they focus on beating Trump. You can't beat Trump. Even in a primary, I right. think they would you, lose. You, you have to have a vision, right? Right. You can't make fun of his hair or all the corrupt deals or whatever it is you want to allege and stir up. The only way you beat Trump is if you do create this alternate reality, this alternate vision. So where someone like Biden can win or someone like Kamala Harris could win is if they present an idea of the country and its position in the world that Trump is unable to fulfill. And the moment they play into his game, they're going to lose. Uh, I, I, I agree. Wait, 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 wait. What? What? Wait, wait. wait. Yeah, I no. said I was going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Did I not say walking you, into you. the studio? I said I'm going to find Christine Barada, our executive producer. I said yeah. I'm going to find an area for which they agree. Go ahead, yeah. Raul. Not to toot my own horn. You, you, you absolutely did, Kevin. Um, and yes, no, I, I think you're right. I think we, 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 you know, all of those other things that you mentioned are important. But again, it needs to be a vision of what we are going to do for Americans. What are we going to do for the hardworking Americans that again, work uh, are up in, in the Midwest or in the South or anywhere for that matter. Um, you know, there's a reason why we're having the convention, um, you know, mentioned earlier. Milwaukee. That, yeah, in the Milwaukee, right. Um, Great food city, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I love Milwaukee. Right. So good. Yeah. Um, and so I think if we continue to outline those, those types of uh, agendas, I think we're going to do well. And, you know, yes, you, the candidate itself or the campaign itself shouldn't, you know, rail against Trump and all the uh, craziness and the lies and et cetera. Well, they're but, all going to do that. That's just my well, thing. When you have 15 million presidential candidates. Right. But, but, but you, you let other people do that. You let your surrogates do that. And you be the candidate and you tell people, this is what I'm going to do to provide, to make sure that you can take your children to Disneyland and not have to worry you about know, it. I get knocked for being under 30 a lot. But, <laughs> but let me just say, I think what happened in the last cycle was President Trump took the gloves off That's and right. he went after every single other Republican just as hard as he was going after Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. and former President Obama. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when whether it's Senator Warren, Senator Sanders, Pete mm-hmm. Buttigieg, or... Buttigieg. Uh, Buttigieg. Oh, my gosh. I, it's only Monday, and I'm already, like, <laughs> whatever, sleep-deprived. Yes. But him, whether it's uh, former Vice President, whoever takes the gloves off on, on the... And, and, like, gets past this, you know, I will say, you can say what you want about... Uh, about uh, about Congresswoman Omar, but her criticism of the Obama administration, you might mm. disagree, folks might disagree with it, but that is an actual debate that's happening within the Democratic Party, that's whether right. or not it's liberal enough. The same way that 
that candidate Donald Trump mm-hmm. had a debate about the Iraq War and mm-hmm. the Bush legacy. That's I mean, right. these are these are debates that are happening at the grassroots. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, I mm-hmm. think we're in. I don't really think the campaign starts until candidates start to take the gloves off. Coming up, we take the gloves off, the policy gloves. We continue talking budget battle. And did you hear what Tulsi Gabbard, Democratic presidential candidate, had to say about Congresswoman Omar? We'll get Raul to weigh in on that. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. What a beautiful day, folks. Enjoy it. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're talking 2020 chatter. We were talking the budget with our all-star panel, Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration, and Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist and former national political director for the Democratic National Committee. Something, Raul, that we were talking about that has tripped up Republicans, divided Republicans, has been these anti-Semitic comments from uh, Congresswoman uh, Ilan Omar, a Democrat from Minnesota, a freshman congresswoman who has repeatedly kept making these remarks. Uh, and it's received criticism not just from Republicans, but but really from Democrats as well. They had that whole resolution, the fight over expanding a resolution as well. And Tulsi Gabbard, a uh, congresswoman, was asked about this at South by Southwest. She's a, a congresswoman from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And she, I'm not at South by Southwest. I apologize. She was asked about this at a CNN town hall about really just all of this controversy. And I want to play for you, Raul, what she said. She is, of course, running for president. And then I want to get your, your take on it. Here it is. Great. There are people who have expressed their offense at these statements. I think that what Congresswoman Omar was trying to get at was a deeper issue related to our foreign policy. And I think there's an important discussion that we have to be able to have openly, even though we may end up disagreeing at the end of it, that we've got to be able to have that openness to have the conversation. But, Raul, I mean, it, uh, listen, I mean, I, you know, and I would ask this to Congresswoman Gabbard. No one is no one. I am hard pressed to find one individual in this debate who is saying don't have a conversation about uh, Israeli pol- U.S. Israeli policy, U.S. Palestinian policy or Israel and Palestine. Mm-hmm. That is not what we are what anyone is saying. It's right. saying that these are anti-Semitic remarks. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I know I know the congresswoman, and um, I, I would have to disagree. I, I think the... Uh, with her with, or with uh, me? With Gabbard. Uh, okay. Gabbard, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the congresswoman Omar's comments, I think, were, were hurtful and, I think, offensive to many, uh, and feeds into the whole same thing uh, of, you know, what we're trying to, to, to protect and not have any anti-Semitic comments, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I mean, I forget the name of the Fox uh, news anchor that you call, you know, uh, used her her garb as a saying that she's not American. So it feeds into that kind of stuff and, and, and it perpetuates it. And it's not I don't think it's good. All right. 
Joining us on the line now, a special guest, uh, Chairman John Yarmuth, who is a Democrat from Kentucky's 3rd Congressional District. He is also, of course, the chairman of the House Budget Committee. Uh, Thrilled to have him on the line. Mr. Chairman, thank you for joining us. I want to get your response to the budget. Is there anything in there at all that, that Democrats can work with? Well, I think a couple things, Kevin, and thanks for having me on. I, I think even though we consider his infrastructure proposal uh, totally ina- inadequate, I do believe it shows a willingness to, to move on that, and Democrats definitely want to work with the administration on uh, an infrastructure an infrastructure package. Um, there are um, some commitment in the budget to cybersecurity. It's kind of hard to, with the detail we have right now to see what how big a commitment it is, but I think that's a priority that we all share is to, is to invest heavily in uh, cybersecurity. And then there's also a proposal to, uh, seems like a, a significant proposal to work on the government's IT infrastructure, information technology, and um, I know from a lot of uh, agencies, they're dealing with antiquated equipment, and we really need to to work on that. So, yeah, there, there are a few things that uh, where we have common ground. Uh, unfortunately, far more that we don't. Chairman John Yarmuth, uh, the House Budget Committee chairman, joining us on uh, the line uh, from Washington, D.C. He is representing Kentucky's third congressional district. Mr. Chairman, what about the issue of drug pricing? I hear that a lot from Republicans and Democrats that lowering the cost of prescription drugs might, keyword might, be a policy area where, where lawmakers can come together on. Thank you. I should have mentioned that. No, no worries. <laughs> that, 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 that we is do hear on policy yeah. sound on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is another one, yes. Uh, I, I know the president's very interested in that, and, of course, that was one of the, the pillars of our, uh, our campaign for the people last fall. And we've got to get a handle on health care costs. One of the biggest drivers of that is, is prescription drug prices, and um, so uh, we would love to work with the administration. I was struck by Space Force. We were talking about this earlier on in the in the show, but Space Force, a new military branch. I mean, if you're Boeing, if you're Caterpillar, uh, you know, I mean, we can geek out over going to outer space and whatnot. But from a from a practical standpoint, Space Force, I mean, this is really a new fundamental shift in U.S. defense spending. No. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think that's one of the. Uh, proposals in the budget that will get no traction at all in in this Congress, certainly not in the House. And I think most people just kind of snicker when they hear that. Uh, it's almost almost a caricature of um, the Trump presidency. But uh, NASA actually did get a substantial boost in this budget, whereas most agencies were were cut pretty dramatically. So apparently he's serious about it, but I don't think, uh, again, that's going very far. Chairman John Yarmuth of the House Budget Committee. Mr. Chairman, I mean, $8.6 billion for a wall. Are we going to have another partial government shutdown? I certainly hope not. Uh, we, uh, mem- the members, of, the Democratic members of the Budget Committee just met with um, Acting Director, OMB Director Vote, and we talked about what, what that money represents and some of it is actually designed to backfill uh, the national emergency spending that the president's proposing to do in this fiscal year. So, um, you know, we've, we've been having that 
fight for quite a long time. We shut the government down for five weeks because of it. I would hope that the president um, would heed the the, uh, the words of my colleague from Kentucky, Mitch McConnell, who said, you never learn anything from the second kick of a mule. But uh, <laughs> the president seems like he wants to feel that second kick. You know what? I was I was hoping for a uh, a Muhammad Ali analogy. Just given your given your, uh, your Kevin, background, I'll come up. I'll come up with one next time. All right, Mr. Chairman uh, John Yarmuth, uh, Chairman of the House Budget Committee. Thanks for calling in. A busy, busy day as you prepare for budget battle. How's that? Thank you very much, everybody. That's it for me. Thank you to our all-star panel: Sari Kim, Republican strategist; Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist and former National Political Director for the DNC. Coming up tomorrow. More fallout from Budget Day. We appreciate Chairman John Yarmuth of the House Budget Committee for calling in. Remember, you can download us on Apple iTunes as well as on the Bloomberg Business app. Check out myself as well as my colleagues on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Enjoy the beautiful day. You are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.